It's a pleasure to be here. You know, what a great conference. I was saying to Pastor Lee earlier, uh, you know, um, I was like, do you guys actually use the gym for basketball? Because every time I'm here, there's a dinner going on. And uh, I said to him, I said, you know, um, the church has great worship, great preaching, great community. It's literally just, I don't know if you appreciate this church, um, but this is a slice of heaven. And I go a lot, a lot of places, 70 some countries and most every state in America. And I gotta, I gotta tell you, you have something really, really special. I've been to larger churches, but I don't think that I've ever been to a church that has just the depth and the, it's the grace of God mixed with the hunger for Jesus. Amen. So, but I would tell you, um, listen, if, Great preaching, great worship, great community. But if you had none of that, I would just come here for the food. Because the food is awesome, right? So, praise God. Thank you, Andrew. Let's give it up for Andrew. So, can I, can I tell a Pastor Lee story real quick? Is that okay? I, we're going to get into the Word. I love God's Word. We're getting into the Word. Uh, so, Pastor Lee and Carla had so just wonderfully come out to Colorado. And uh, they were with us there uh, I have the, the honor to be at what I, I feel like uh, for f- about 60 years has been a ministry uh, that has probably had more integrity uh, when it comes to the, the Pentecostal church of any ministry that I know for 60 years. And uh, it has been a great honor. Pastor Lee is uh, working with us some there. And so we went out uh, one day to a, um, to a restaurant that had like hamburgers and they had milkshakes there. But he was the only person at the table that or, he ordered a chocolate milkshake. And so, you know, the, we're waiting for the hamburgers, and he gets this amazing-looking chocolate milkshake. And uh, somebody at the table, I think it was our missions director, says, hey, that looks really good. So Pastor Lee goes, and he gets, they have the little salad dressing plastic cups, and he gets like eight of them. And he starts taking his chocolate milkshake and pouring it out so everybody can have a little bit of his milkshake. And I am thinking to myself, what manner of man is this? I'll give you the shirt off my back. I'll write a check for missions. But my chocolate milkshake, that's mine, baby. Right? So, not sharing that. So, uh, what, a, what a good man. So, I, I thought I would just take a moment and share that. And you can put it in your <laughs> memory banks or forget it, whatever. Uh, let's, uh, let's get into the word. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. Your word is truth and it's powerful. And Lord, I pray, God, it would pierce our hearts today. Lord, I pray that you would really encourage us tonight. Lord, through your word and God, through the power and the life of your Holy Spirit, we love you and we thank you for the opportunity to serve in your kingdom. Amen. Praise God. So last night we had a, a, a guy that died and raised from the dead. And then I'm thinking, i got to follow him. Then Hector gets up this morning, and he starts talking about how he had two days of dying something at a prison. And then I was like, now i got to follow two guys that died. And can I just give you a precursor here? I have never died, okay? That was, uh, I was dead in my trespasses and sin, and Jesus made me alive. But outside of that, sorry, the old ticker, you know, keeps going. So, anyways... Uh, today, as we're going through, I, I think that, um, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks in diverse ways. 
uh, Hebrews, which I'm going to start talking about, it says that in, in many ways in the past, God has spoken to us uh, through different ways, through prophets in different ways. But in these last days, he's spoken through his son, Jesus. And we're going to talk about that just, just a little bit. Uh, but I don't think there could have been a better part one and two than what Pastor Lee was talking about as he was uh, just sharing and we were having a time of prayer today. Um, you know, in the, the book of Hebrews, and it's, a, it's an incredible revelation to the church. Uh, but the New Testament church was about the grace of God. And I want to just tell you something as we're starting off here today. I, when people talk about hyper grace, I want to tell you, I believe in the hyper, supersonic, amazing, incredible. You put the name in front of it. Now, if you say, do I believe that people have an improper understanding of grace at times? Yes. If, if you define grace as uh, God, you know, God forgives you and now he doesn't care how you live. No, I think that that's an improper understanding of grace. But can I just tell you today, I was saved by grace. I live by grace. And if I'm going to live another day, it's going to be by the grace of God. And, you know, Paul and the New Testament had this incredible revelation of, of the grace of God. And uh, the book of Hebrews itself was, was written. Uh, if you go through the beginning of it, uh, it, it's written as a book to share with uh, Hebrews that we're going through uh, just in, incredibly difficult times and to remind them about the supremacy of Christ. But as you move through the book, it talks about how people were discouraged. And so the writer, uh, some people say Paul, um, I'm somewhere between Paul and Luke uh, who wrote Hebrews. If you're here and you're a pastor, leader, can I just say this? It doesn't really matter who wrote it. You say, well, how do you know that? Because God would have told us who wrote it if it really mattered. What matters is the content is incredible and amazing. But the writer, as it goes through to chapters 10, 11, and 12, you start to see this great uh, persecution, this great difficulty that the church is going through. And I want to just, it's going to be the precursor to what really the message is going to be in a few moments. But can you go with me uh, to Hebrews chapter 10? Uh, I do bring greetings from Gary Wilkerson and World Challenge. We have a saying there, uh, Gary, uh, it's a quote from Gary, so I'll be the first to tell you that. But one thing that he says is you take your finger and you put it in the book. And when you get tired of putting your finger in the book, then you take your other finger and you put it in the book. So whatever we talk about today, wherever we go today, I can tell you where we're going to land is in the book. Listen, every man is a liar, but God's word is truth. And if you want something to build your life on, right here it is. Young people, it's amazing to see the young people that have such a hunger and a love for God. But I want to tell you, it's great to have uh, the emotions and the love and the seeking God. But if you don't build your life on this word, when the storms come, you'll wash away, right? So it's important that we get our life founded on the word. So in chapter 10, here the writer is, is speaking to the, the Hebrews. And uh, the Hebrews, the Jewish people have gone through so much turmoil over the years. But he says in this in verse 32, But recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, that means came to Christ to know Jesus. The lights came on. Anybody have the lights come on in your life? You endured a great struggle with suffering, partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became the company of those that were so treated. And he's then referring to himself, you had compassion on me and my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better 
and a more enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Church, I want to tell you today, you have a more enduring possession in heaven than whatever you may go through in this life. Hallelujah. And here, here are these people, and they're going through this great tribulation. The, 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 um, the culture was already hostile, and it had become more hostile. And church, I want to just say this to you. The days that we live in now, people have said this for years, for probably since the day I got out of my uh, jail cell and bouncing bars and came to know Jesus, probably the first times that I walked into church, I've heard Jesus is coming soon and things are going to get worse. Well, I want to tell you, now we're staring it in the face. Now we're looking at it. The, the spirit of Antichrist has always been around, going back to the first century but it is becoming very blatant in the world that we live in. And I want to just tell you this. Thank God you live in the South. Um, there's a lot of people that live in other places across the country that don't, uh, don't have the protections that we have. Uh, I was talking to Cloud Hood. He, he pastors the largest Pentecostal church in Canada. And what he has to go through to declare the gospel there and in Europe and other places... Brothers and sisters, it is not going to get easier moving forward. If you if you decided to pack, you know, hey, things are going to get real easy. They're not. Some of my pastor friends from California, they can shout amen right now because they, they live in it. They live in a hostile culture, and it will only become more hostile. And if we don't learn how to live in these kind of days, and we can't go through the battles and the difficulties that Pastor Lee was talking about, we will just be like the dust that blows away. But I am convinced of better things. We have an enduring God with greater promises than anything that this world can afford. And here these believers are going through these difficult times. And the writer is trying to say, he, he goes on, therefore, uh, uh, th- therefore, do not cast away your confidence. Be encouraged tonight, which has a great reward. For if you had need of endurance, that afterward you have done the will of God, that you may receive the promise. You know, one of the things that we do at World Challenge is we minister to unreached people groups and the persecuted church. We have a pastor right now that we work with, an uh, incredible man of God. Uh, he has been put in jail. He's been tortured. When I listen to this, uh, to, to the, the, the writer here, your belongings have been taken. His house has been taken. His family has gone through difficulty. They literally, when you ask him, he says, there's nothing else that they can do to me except for kill me. And if they kill me, then I'm going to go be with Jesus. God give us that spirit in America. Amen. So he lives in a country that it's illegal to own a Bible. You can be put to, to death for sharing your faith. And he has planted 87 churches house churches in a place like that church i want to tell you as pastor lee was talking about the battles are raging we have to determine where are we going to be at in this don't be discouraged we are not those who draw back we are those that press forward. go to chapter 11 and verse 1 because uh, i want you to catch this understanding if you would today, uh, as, as we go through uh, uh, the 10, 11, and 12, in, in chapter 11 and verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You know, there's people that's taken this passage and they've used it to con- convince people of a prosperity gospel that, hey, you just ask for whatever you ask for. Uh, just put a picture of an airplane in your office and you can, you know, just get a picture of it and pray for it and God will give it to you. I want to tell you just real quickly, first of all, I think it's a terrible misuse of that passage. And then the next verse tells you really what they're talking about, which is this. 
For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Listen, faith is not getting everything that you want to be healthy and wealthy and everything that you want in this world. But it's to live as a, as a good testimony. Can I just ask you a question tonight? What will the testimony of your life be? Will it be, as Pastor Lee was saying, well, I kind of hid and, you know, I made it to the last days when Jesus appeared and, you know, I was still believing in, you know, back in my closet. Or will your testimony be, no, I obtained by faith a better promise. I stood and walked through the difficulties of this world and I shined like a star that God has created you to be. Amen. And then it goes on to say this. It says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen are made of those things which are, uh, were not made of things which are visible. You know, uh, I went to a secular university. Eventually I went on to Bible college. Uh, but while I, when I was first a believer, I'm going to a secular university and they're, they're talking. I mean, I'm, I, I took a class. Can I tell you, if you're about to enroll in college, and uh, you go, hey, I want something to help me with my spiritual life. I'm just a new Christian. And I go, there is a, a class called God, World, and Man. And I thought, this is going to be great to help me. It was taught by an atheist. The whole class was just denigrating that God exists. And so at one point, they were talking Big Bang Theory or whatever, how the earth came into existence. And I raised my hand and I go, I believe in the Big Bang Theory. I said, God spoke a word, and bang, it all exists. I don't think the professor liked it. But I want to tell you, here, here's what faith is. Faith is believing that we serve a God that spoke a word, and the heavens and the earth came into existence. Can I just ask you a question? Do you believe that? Is that hocus pocus, or do you believe it? Because if you believe it, then how should we live we should live in a way that goes, I don't care what I face or what I go through. God, give me a good testimony. And as it goes through chapter 11, you go through chapter 11 and it says, some people rock kingdoms, saw their uh, dead, dead raised to life. That's exciting. We, I mean, we've had testimonies from somebody that was raised from the dead or from a really bad situation uh, just last night. But listen, it doesn't stop there. It goes on to say, but others had a good testimony and they were sawn in half. They were stoned to death. And you ever ask your question, yourself the question, you know, Stephen was stoned to death. Paul was stoned to death. God raises Paul from the dead and Stephen is not raised from the dead. Can somebody explain that to me? Except for God has a will that is greater than what I can see or what I know. And sometimes, yes, incredible. I believe in healing. I thank God for the way that he heals and touches people. But I want to tell you as well, that's not always the end of things. And there's some of you that are here that have watched people that you love dearly. And maybe the end wasn't healing. But it doesn't mean that they weren't walking in faith and that they didn't have a great testimony. And I'm going to go to chapter 12 and verse 1, if you would read this with me. And, I, you know, we're, hey, we're going somewhere. Just put all these pieces together. Therefore, also, since we have this great cloud of witnesses, people that have gone through difficulties and hardship, let us lay aside every weight. Look at this. It says every weight and the sin. Now, some people read it and they go, well, sin is the weight. Well, why does it say every weight and the sin? Because there's other things that can be a weight that's not necessarily we would look at as like committing a sin. Like legalism. Cast it aside. Like 
uh, going through times of unbelief, I want to tell you, cast it aside. Going through a place of discouragement. I'm not, hey, we'll all face those moments of discouragement, but we, we are not to live in places of discouragement. And you may be here tonight, and maybe there's sin that you need to lay aside. And maybe there's other things that have hindered you. Unforgiveness. If you're here tonight, and, and somebody has done you wrong, and you have not forgiven them, do you know that that is a weight that will keep you from going on with God? So it is every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance, and let us, uh, the race that is set before us, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Can I just just say this to you? When it says the joy set before him, you go, what was the joy set before him? Look at your neighbor and tell them that's you. So what was the joy set before him? It was you and it was me. So how did he endure? Because he had his eyes fixed on the prize which is you for the joy set before him. Now you got to get this because he's telling, he, he's saying here, Jesus fixed his eyes on us and that's how uh, he endured the cross. But listen, how do we make it in this life? By fixing our eyes on him. So he fixed his eyes on us and you go, how do I endure difficulties? You get your eyes fixed on Jesus. And can I just tell you tonight, there's a whole lot of things in this world that want to vie for your attention. That want, hey, get your eyes on college football, by the way. I know all the godly people are in the house tonight because uh, LSU is playing and here you are in God's house. (laughs) Hallelujah. The Florida Gators are playing and they're probably losing, so I'm here. So anyways, but, 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 but I want you to see this by getting your eyes Fix on Jesus. There's so many things that will vie for your time and your attention. Young people, hey, you'll go through times. It is perfectly normal that you like guys and girls and all that. Nobody here is saying that that's bad. But if you ever get your eyes fixed on a girl or a guy in such a way that your eyes aren't purely fixed on Jesus, I'm just going to tell you from that day forward, it's just going to be trouble, right? Get your eyes fixed on Jesus. And pastors that are here tonight, don't get your eyes fixed on how big your church is. Don't get your eyes fixed on how the ministry is going. Get your eyes fixed on Jesus. And how do you know that God can take care of the church if your eyes are fixed on Jesus? So, so you see this. You, he fixed his eyes on you. Now you fix your eyes on him who endured the cross, despised in the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. And listen, how did Jesus went through such a cruel and brutal death? How did he make it through that time of hostility? He kept his eyes fixed on the joy which is you. And when you go through hostility or difficulty or hardship, get your eyes fixed on Jesus and you will walk through every situation that you face. Amen. I remember, I'm going to just tell you a quick story. My grandmother, um, when I first felt a call to ministry, I, I was playing college football in a place called East Tennessee State. And uh, I, I left. I had a starting position. Things were going well. I felt a call to ministry. I walked away from the thing that I loved. And I'm thinking, where's the platform I'm going to get? Where's my great ministry assignment? My first ministry assignment was to my grandmother. 
And my grandmother, uh, I think I talked a little bit about her when I was here before. Tough lady, gave herself five stitches. She, you know, tough lady. If you weren't here for that story, uh, she. And but you know what? She never went to church. She didn't believe in God, and she got cancer. And uh, during the next probably year or so, I, I was there with her, and I would pray with her. And I mean, here's this. Uh, she had white lightning, and I want to just tell you, teenagers, don't ever touch it. Um, it is like drinking battery acid, and uh, she would drink that stuff. I mean, she she was just, she was a Tennessee lady, and she was hard to the gospel, and she was just a hard, tough old lady. And you know, I I loved her though, and I had a broke, I came came out of a broken family, and uh, I had a really close relationship with her, and I would pray for her. And I would ask God, God, touch her. You know, um, she went into remission. Ten years later, she eventually died of cancer. She wasn't completely healed. But this is what happened in that year. God began to soften her heart. And in that period of that year, God, I mean, she, she winds up giving her life to Christ. She's walking with God. Uh, she would go to church. I Believe it or not, I sang in a quartet gospel group. Do not hate me for that. Uh, Young people, uh, I, I actually uh, like Southern gospel music, and uh, so I was, uh, uh, and she would come out and listen to us sing, but she, God softened her heart. So I just want to say this, sometimes when we're praying, and we think God didn't answer the prayer just the way that I wanted to, and you, you, you know, we hear great stories of people being raised from the dead, but I want to tell you, God gave exactly what I needed for that moment and what she needed for that moment. So, you know, was she completely healed? No. But I'm going to tell you what. One day, I am going to, I'm going to walk into paradise and I'm going to find vicey hood and I'm going to look her straight in the eyeballs and I'm going to go, I remember the day you gave your life to Jesus. And I want to tell you, that's more important. Amen? So, it's this context that I want you to go back to Luke chapter 7. And uh, we're going to break down this passage. Um, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. You'll probably know by the time we get to the end of it. I'm just going to tell you before I start into this passage, there's going to be some of you that are, that you'll get a little bit mad. You might get a little bit angry. You might wrestle with a few things. If you have a pen and a piece of paper, I would love for you to take notes. To me, this is one of the greatest stories in the New Testament. It's written by Luke. And so Luke would also write the book of Acts. And when he would go through, he would highlight just incredible stories. He traveled with Paul as he preached. Uh, that's why we have all those stories there. And he understood by grace through faith. And he recalled the story. And I want you to see, uh, it's an incredible revelation of God's uh, grace and power. So here we're, we're at in chapter 7 of Luke in, in verse 1. It says, now when he concluded all of his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now, uh, m most people believe, and, and it's the verses before here and in Matthew, the two places that the story is told, is right when Jesus is coming from the Sermon on the Mount. So he had preached this incredible message, and now he's going into Capernaum. Capernaum was like his headquarters. More miracles are done in the New Testament in Capernaum than anywhere else. Uh, they were a little bit softer than the people in Jerusalem, was far away from the temple, uh, weren't quite as difficult as some of the spiritual leaders there, uh, but they were still very much uh, Jewish uh, leaders. And so it says, then there was a certain uh, centurion, um, uh, a certain centurion servant who was dear to him 
and was sick and ready to die. The title of the message tonight is what is precious to you, right? What is dear to you? Um, and this centurion has a servant boy that is very dear or very precious to him. And I want to just take a moment and I want to just help you to understand a couple of the characters that are here. The centurion, it never gives his name, but it, I don't think his name is important. The status, of, the status of who he is is what's important. And Luke would recall this particular time because it has, it has great meaning. And so for a thousand years in the Roman Empire, uh, the, the strength of the empire was not the Caesars and it wasn't the foot soldiers. Most historians will tell you the strength was the centurion. A centurion would lead about a hundred soldiers. They would be powerful men and they would be great leaders. If uh, a centurion was in the room today, I mean, it's not like, you know, some of you get stopped by the police and they give you a ticket and you argue with them. You're not arguing with this guy. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like a centurion would be like, you argue with me, you're likely to be dead. So uh, now maybe not this particular centurion, but centurions were strong, powerful leaders. And Palestine was one of the most difficult places for, uh, for the Roman Empire. It would only be about 35 years after this. Uh, that Jerusalem would be completely destroyed because of zealots and others that were, would rebel. So here's this savvy, strong, powerful leader of a man. And he's a centurion. And it's important to the story because I want you to see tonight who this man is. Now, he has a servant boy who's very dear to him. <clears throat> Just uh, quickly for you, if, uh, if you were in the Roman Empire and you had a slave that did not perform his duties, it was completely within your rights to kill your slave because they weren't performing their duties. And then he could get, he could get 10 slave boys. He didn't need the slave boy. The slave boy had no real uh, benefit other, other than just that he had a kind heart and he really loved this servant boy, which was, again, something that was a little bit peculiar to the story. But can I ask you a question tonight? Here it says that this servant boy was very precious to him. What's precious to you tonight? When we prayed for the children up here tonight, and some of you have wayward uh, sons and daughters, that's precious to you. I Probably as I get older, uh, things are less precious to me. Houses and cars and bank accounts. What's more important to me are my children, my wife, who's watching today, by the way. Could we all say hello, Krista, by the way? I think she's... Wasn't able to make the trip. But our family, what, what's precious to you today? And, you know, maybe, uh, maybe you're praying for revival in your city. Is, is this nation precious to you? I mean, right now, what is important to you? Because here is what the point is. Is here's this man who's incredibly smart. He's a great leader. A powerful figure. And yet with all of his strength, all of his power, all of his ability, all of his know-how... He has nothing to be able to help what is most precious to him. And I want to tell you that's no different than you and I today. The things that are most precious, we can pray, we can try to help uh, other people out. But at the end of the day, we need the intervention of God to help us to be able to protect and look after the things that are most precious. Can somebody shout amen? Uh, we know that that's true. And so here to just get this picture of this powerful man. 
And it says, now he has this, this servant boy who's ready to die. In Matthew, it says that he was paralyzed uh, and he's, he's ready to die. And then it says in verse 3, so when he heard about Jesus, and I got to tell you this because uh, I don't think that it was just that he heard about Jesus. I, I don't know. It certainly doesn't say in the passage that he saw Jesus, but it's more than just hearing about Jesus. How many people do you know have heard about Jesus? I mean, we live in a culture, you hear them on the radio, TV, people wear crosses on their neck. You know, people talk about Jesus all the time. But it's different to hear about Jesus and have a revelation of Jesus. And today, you can come to church all the time, come to conferences, do whatever that you will. But it, just because you hear about Jesus doesn't mean that you have a revelation of Jesus. Church, we need a revelation of Jesus. Because something, whatever he heard, whatever re- revelation he had was so powerful that he was like, I'm not going to the doctors. I'm not going to the religious people. I need Jesus in the situation that I'm in. He needs, a, he has a revelation of Jesus. And now this is the place that he turns to in his time of need. I want to tell you, take the thing that's most precious to you. And what's more important than anything is that you go to Jesus with the things that are most precious in your life. Right? Praise God. So he then, uh, if, if you look at the story, it says that, um, and, and so he sent the elders, this is the Jewish leaders, uh, to Jesus pleading with him to come and to heal his servant. Now, now watch this. It says, And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the, other, uh, th- that the one for whom he should do this was deserving, for he loves our nation, and he has bu- built our synagogue. And then it says in verse 6 that Jesus went with them. Now, <clears throat> I want you to get this. If, you, if, if, if you've tuned me out, right now you need to tune in 100%. The first group of people... This is how religious people approach God. And I want you to get this, because if you're here today, I, I believe that the love of God is in this place. But if there is one centennial, just a, a half of a centennial of an inch of legalism, tonight it needs to die. It needs to die. Because this is how religious people approach God. They come to him, they go, it says they begged earnestly, hey, this is a good guy. I mean, he's a really good guy. He loves, he loves Israel. Not too many people like Israel. Everybody persecutes Israel. But this is a good guy. He's a centurion. And he doesn't have to like us. Nobody really likes us. But this guy likes us. And he built a synagogue. And we got a few pastors here. If somebody came along and said, you know, I'm just going to build you a new church. What would you say? We have a new church to give away to you. Pastor Lee knows this story. So we had two churches in Jacksonville. One $10 million of debt-free, uh, debt-free property that they came and went. We just want to be a part of you. And they gave, gave it to us. No strings attached. And they were Southern Baptists. You go, Southern Baptists? Some of you are just dying right now. So I took them through three weeks of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and three weeks of New Covenant. At the end of it, I had people that they were like, I've never spoken tongues. I've never been around people that speak in tongues. But I will never doubt that speaking in tongues is for today. 100% they voted to be a part of our church, right? So I, Then we had a Pentecostal church that came and gave us... Uh, their property as well. So I want to tell you, God is good. But here this, this, this uh, centurion builds them a church. 
you know, when you go through commentators, they don't even know where he got the money. Like, how does the centurion build a church for these people or a synagogue for them? And, uh, and so here they're, they're going, you don't know how great Jesus we're earnestly, you need to do a miracle for this man. You need to bless this man. You need to work in this man's life. And you have, you, you have this, in, this, this, in, this incredible legalistic way of approaching God. You know, hey, I've been a pastor. Uh, I've been a missionary. You know, I'm the COO, whatever that is at World Challenge. God. Certainly you should work. I paid my tithes. I mean, take people here. You know, this, this young girl, she's honest and she loves people and she's kind and she loves missions. Certainly they, she should get her miracle. Certainly this man should get a miracle. And this is how religious people approach God. Now, look, Jesus goes, it doesn't even say that he has a reaction to it. He's like, okay, I'll go because he's used to. God is used to people coming to him and go, man, you don't know. How, I, I have just spent the last five days in church. How many church services have you guys been to in the last week? Like, and you count tomorrow, it's going to be like 10 church services. Well, these guys that came, they had three prayer meetings a day, and they went to all of them all the time. And now this is how people come to God. Pastor, I, I mean, God, I'm, I'm da- down at the altar and I'm down seeking God. And God, I'm, I'm putting the time in and God, I'm praying. But that is how religious people come to God. And Jesus is very unimpressed. He's like, all right, this is how I'm used to people coming. You know, you know it's in you know, movies where people go, God, if you just save me, I'll give 20%. I'll give 50%. And, you know, and then, of course, they go back on whatever they say. But this is sometimes how we approach God. God, if you do this for me, I will do that for you. Look at how good I've been. And, and here's how the religious people are talking to Jesus. And Jesus, it says that he goes with them, but he's very unimpressed. Now, he goes, then Jesus went with them. And it says, when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, now, I want you to see this. It's the second group of people, but they're coming directly from the centurion. The centurion is sending out his own people with a private message. So Jesus has had one set of people that are religious people that are going, oh, God, you know, Jesus, you should do this miracle. Look at all the miracles. You should do it for him. He's a good guy. He built us a church. He likes us. Uh, He's a good guy. Then this is how the centurion sends a private message from his friends. And this is what he says. This is the message that comes to Jesus. Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. This guy's the law of the land. King Herod gets out of the line. This is the guy that takes care of him. So I'm talking about this is the law of the land. He is the guy with all the power, all the strength. He has a little army with him. And listen, if you touch that centurion, you you touch Caesar, this guy has all the power. And yet, here's the message, Lord. I'm not even worthy that you would come under my house. Listen, before Paul ever has a revelation of by grace through faith, this centurion has a revelation of the grace of God. Now, I've got to tell you this. He is the centurion. So 
whatever kindness that he has towards the Jewish people, he could never become a Jew. He could never go through the process of circumcision. For him to do that would mean that he would face death with the, with the Roman Empire. And so he could, he could never go through that process. He was not a Jewish person. He was not keeping the 623 laws. He was a guy that had an appreciation for the Jewish religion. And he has a revelation of Jesus. But now, how does he approach? He says, I'm not worthy that you should even come under my roof because he knew enough about the Jewish people to know that a Gentile should not uh, eat with him uh, in, inside a house. So therefore, I do not even think myself worthy to come to you. <clears throat> so he starts off saying, hey, don't, don't come to my house. I know that's against law, but I'm not even worthy to come to do you. Does anybody see the humility here? And I want to tell you, because this is how spiritual people approach God. And you're here today and you go, I want to see God move in my life. You can go under law. You can go with your 623 laws and all the time you put in and everything that you earned and everything that you did and everything that God could see you with. And you can come to God that way. He is very unimpressed with that. Now, I want to make sure I'm clear. I'm not talking about a hunger to be in God's presence. Because that's what faith is. Faith is I want to draw close to you. I want to know you. I want to love you. But when it comes to the keeping of law or human effort as a way to achieve something with God, I just want to tell you, it's not very impressive. As a matter of fact, it is very, to Jesus, very uninspiring. He goes with them, but he's like, yeah, all right. Now, this man says, I'm not worthy to go into your house. I'm not even worthy that I could even come and meet with you. But you say the word and my servant will be healed. Now we're talking faith. Man, I'll have to come out there. If you, you, go, you know what? For centuries, even after everything that people know, people still argue about whether Jesus is God. I mean, for, for years, even in the early church, they would have times that they would all get together. Is, is, was Jesus fully God? That was one of the questions that they had. But this man is a Roman soldier. He is not a Jew. He is not a disciple. He is a guy. <laughs> he has a revelation of Jesus. And now he goes, hey, if you speak the word because you're the God who spoke a word and bang, the world came into existence. I don't have to come up and meet you. You don't have to come into my house. If you speak the word, it shall be done. And I just want to help you with something tonight. If you go, hey, here's my 10 steps to healing. Here's my five steps to get closer to God. Can I tell you, you can bypass all that and say, Jesus, you speak the word and it will be done. What he says is irrefutable. Now, I want to say this as well, because you know the end of the story, the servant boy gets healed. But I want to, I want to say this practically for you today. There's no place that the, that the centurion says here, hey, uh, I prayed it and I believed it, and now you must do it. He, he's a little bit more like the three Hebrew children that say, hey, we're in the fiery furnace and God can save this. But even if he doesn't know this, I will not bow my knee. And church, I want to tell you, sometimes maybe you've been in situations and I want, I am, man, I, I am Pentecostal 
in the way that I understand and believe in the gifts of the Spirit and that people get healed, I have seen amazing healings in my life. Can somebody say amen to that? But the testimony isn't only for people who have been healed. Sometimes a, a great testimony can be from people like Hebrews chapter 11 says, who have gone through great persecution and hardship and stayed faithful, even like Isaiah, who was cut in half, but he stayed faithful to the testimony. It's just as great as the man that was healed from, uh, from sickness or the death, right? And so he is saying, you speak the word. And it will be done. And then he goes on to say this. He says, for I am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. Uh, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. Um, how many of you have a military background? All right, about eight of you. I, I come out of a military background. And my dad uh, was in, uh, re he retired from the military. And this is what I know about the military. You talked about a good soldier tonight. When your commander and officer tells you to do something, you don't go, you want me to take that hill? There's guys on top of that hill and they're shooting at me. You don't go, uh, I'm kind of outnumbered. No, if the commander says you go, you go. Because he understands authority. And I want to tell you tonight that this is what he was saying. He was saying in the same way that I tell my soldier to go and he doesn't question me. He does whatever I ask, even if it's in the peril of his life. He does what I say because we understand authority in the same way the elements of this world are under your command. And if you say for the waves to cease, the waves will cease. And if you say for the dead to rise, the dead will rise. If you speak a word, you transcend every element in this world because you are the God of heaven. And when you speak, whatever you speak, it is done. Now I want to tell you, I like serving that God. You know, people, you know, make gods of their own images and, you know, worship false gods. I want to tell you, if, if this God isn't real, I will turn my preaching papers in tomorrow and go sell some used cars, right? And make some real money. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just telling you, if this isn't real, no thank you. But we serve the true living God. And when he speaks, it's done. And listen, sometimes he speaks and grannies are healed. And sometimes he speaks and he softens their heart and they spend eternity in heaven. Last night, Glenn Berto said this, and it's so true. He, he said this, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me will never die. Do you believe that? Because if you believe that, and listen, there's some of you that are here. And you've lost a loved one, a husband or a wife or a child. And you go... God, why didn't you heal them? God, why did I have to go through this? Listen, I don't understand. When we get to the other side, we will. But I know this. Someone who trusts in Jesus, you will never die. The last breath that I take in this world, the very next breath that I take, I will stand in the presence of God Almighty. So listen, I just want to tell you, uh, this, is, uh, this is for you, Hector, and for Glenn Berto. If If I die... And you raise me from the dead, I'm going to tell you right now, you and I are going to have a problem, right? You just, 
let me be where I am at. I love God. I want to live for to live. That, that's what the that's what the guy in the persecuted area said. He said, "You know what? If they kill me, then I stand in the presence of God." And listen, when we get that kind of a framework of thinking and how we approach life. I'm going to tell you no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Everything that rises against you shall fall. You are undefeated. There's nothing that the enemy or anybody has over you because you are victorious in Christ. Right? Paul said it. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Now this. mm, Can I tell you another quick story? Do I have time? I'm not too late. I know you people like having long church services. So <laughs> I was in Latvia. I was in Latvia and I was preaching at a Bible college and I was preaching on New Covenant. We were talking about faith and I went to Hebrews 11. And um, so anyways, I was talking about it's impossible to please God without faith. And I was talking about moving mountains. And the, one of the students says, we move mountains. God says, we move mountains. And I go, okay, because uh, the Bible says if you pray, you can move mountains. So I, I, I said, well, that's great. Um, I noticed on the way in, there was a hill just as I was driving in. And I will carry your water and your Bible, and I want you to just go move it five feet to the right. You don't have to throw it into the sea. Just you're a beginner. You're a young guy. And then I go, you know what? Actually, you're young. That, that's a lot. There's a sandbox outside that the kids play in. And we'll get the sand on one side of the box. And if you, you don't even have to move a mountain. If you could just move the sand from one side to the other, I'll be very impressed. He did his head down. And then about three or four days later, he came back. Understand this. The faith is not what you can do. It's not some power that you have to wield. Faith is not faith in my faith. Faith is faith in God. So when God says the mountain will be moved and I believe it and I stand on it, every mountain that he says will be moved will be moved. That's the word. That's the word. This is, this is by grace through faith. Before Paul ever has a revelation, and it was 13 years he gets this revelation, incredible revelation of the new covenant. But here is this centurion soldier and he is understanding by grace and he's understanding by faith faith the word in the greek is pistis which is to believe in to cleave to 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 rely upon and that's what faith is is to love because listen when you believe in him and you love him and you cleave to him then the holy spirit will conform you to the image of christ it's not a work it's not something you can put the time in to do it is by faith that God transforms you from who you are to be more and more like Jesus. By grace, through faith. When Jesus heard these things, <clears throat> he marveled at him. Two places that this word is used in the New Testament. One place that says that he marvels because of the unbelief of the religious people. You get this. <laughs> he, he was amazed, shocked, surprised. I think I have notes here. I want to just uh, kind of come up with the. Have you noticed that I haven't looked at many notes tonight? Okay. Here we go. Sumazo is the word marveled, astonished, taken back, 
here you go for you young people. Bam, he got it, right? <laughs> so <laughs> he gets it. He's marveled. He's, he's looking at the centurion and he's marveling at, at his approach. He gets it. And listen, the only other place that the word is used is when religious people came and they couldn't believe how he worked, how he operated. And he was like, I marveled at how you guys just don't get it. And I want to say this to you. God, you listen, you can tell I'm passionate about this. I lived a lot of years in legalistic churches doing legalistic things. And it was the rules and the list and trying to. And it can, if you're not careful, it can put you on a treadmill of trying to do something to please God. And here's the truth. When Jesus came to the cross and he bled and died, he pleased God. And he took the punishment of our sins and he placed it on Jesus. So listen, faith is not what I can do. Faith is what Jesus has already done. And when I get that, and listen, we had an incredible miracle in Jacksonville at the church. Pastor Lee's been there, you know, 1,200 people baptized in the last 10 years. Just amazing, miraculous things. This happened there. And, and everything that we preached and taught was new covenant by grace through faith. This centurion got it. And nobody else is getting it. So he marvels. And he says, he says this. And he tur- it says he marveled at him and turned around. And he said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found so much, such great faith, not in all of Israel. And then they went back to the house and the boy was healed. Here's one thing that I want to just ask you. Who was in that crowd? The religious leaders, because they came, to, they brought him there, right? So the religious people are like, I mean, he's a nice guy. I mean, he built a synagogue for us. He likes us. But now you're saying you've not seen any faith like his? He is a Roman soldier. He doesn't keep the 623 laws. We keep, we keep the 623 laws. We go to church three times a day. He doesn't go, he doesn't go to the synagogue three times a day. And why is it that he has this faith? And can you imagine the religious people being like, hey, Jesus, are you really, you know, him? Now, let me take it another step further. Who else is in the crowd? The disciples who left everything. They left their fishing boats. They left everything. They surrendered it all. And they followed him. Matthew, the tax collector, walks out of the tax booth, leaves his wealth behind. And they're like, the Roman centurion has, you give out to us all the time because of our lack of faith. And now you're looking at this guy and you're marveling because of his faith. I want to just, I want to just say this to you. Sometimes we think that our religion impresses God. It doesn't. What impresses God is by grace through faith. That not of ourselves, it's the gift of God. The grace that goes, God, I'm not even worthy to come into your presence. Listen, the religious people thought that they had done enough good things to be worthy to come into his presence. But that centurion is like, dude, I'm so far away. I know I'm not worthy to even stand in your presence. But I know this, if you speak the word, you can do it. Here's the question for you. Who are you more like in this story? You're more like the people that are counting all the hours and the time you put in. I'm in the church every week and I give my tithes. And Listen, can I just say this? I'm not mocking that. I've pastored a church, right? I've, I, and have been involved in ministry for years. It is a great thing to give. 
It is a great thing to be faithful in God's house. It is a great thing to come to prayer meetings. But listen, if you're doing it in any way, shape, or form to get something like, well, now, God, you'll give me this if I go. Listen, let that die. And when the foundation is Jesus, listen, I was saved by grace. And I live by grace. And by golly, if I make it to heaven, it will be by the grace of God. Paul, Paul said it in, in, to Galatians. He goes, are you so foolish that you've started by the Spirit and now you're trying to be perfected by the flesh? Who has bewitched you? This is just, man, I, you know, if you're looking at me, you go, I'm, what I'm speaking today, it, I believe that there's so much freedom. Because listen, you know, you know why I go to prayer meetings? Because I want to be in God's presence. You know why I give? Because I know that God he owns it all. He's given me all. I, I'm giving back a portion and I'm giving it in faith because I want to see God move. And do I believe in 10% tithe? Yeah, because I think it predates law. It goes back to uh, Abraham and Abraham gave by faith. I think that's a faithful, good thing to do. But I want to tell you, it doesn't affect my standing with God. My, my standing with God is on the finished work of Jesus at the cross. And he is my righteousness. And he is my truth. And listen, you know, the father that came, uh, the, the, the prodigal father, I love, this, I love the story. I, I like it better called rather than the prodigal son is the running father. Because the father ran to the son and he put a ring of authority. Listen, you don't, and, and, and Pastor Lee said this earlier, you don't have authority because you earn authority. You have authority because Jesus gave you authority. And then what you do is by faith, you activate that, you activate that authority in those moments and you go, hey, Jesus has put robes of righteousness. He's given me sandals to serve him and he has put a ring of authority. And now I want to walk in the power and the life of God to make a difference in the world that I live in. And church, I'm, I'm going to tell you, if, if there ever comes a time that the church of Jesus Christ would ever come back to these incredible truths, I want to tell you, there is a revival awaiting us. David Wilkerson, uh, who is one of my um, heroes, um, but you know, about 10 years before he died, he, he said it's from his own testimony. I lived in this works-based reality that I wasn't even living myself. And he took a year off. He took a year. He didn't go and preach. He spent a year and he studied and he went to the scriptures and he prayed. And he had this great revelation of new covenant. And it transformed his life. The last 10 years of his ministry was, I mean, just amazing what God did in that man's life. And I... I certainly have been a product of that. I, I always look back at that and go, here's a man that was so successful, had a great ministry, great following, but it wasn't enough. He wanted to make sure that his life was rooted on the right things. It, his Bible college that he started, they wouldn't even let people, before, like the students, he wouldn't even let them read the books and listen to the messages pre-New Covenant, right? So they, they were listening to the New Covenant messages. And I, and I say this to you today. I believe that God wants to stir and do amazing things. In this church, I know that there's pastors that are here. And if we could grasp what this centurion had, this soldier, not religious. I'm not, I'm not an advocate of saying, you know, people that don't go to church at all. I, I listen, the, the right place to live is to be and walk in church. 
But listen, I go to church to grow. I go to church because Jesus has done a work in my life. But I don't come to church to get anything from God, right? God has blessed me before I walked into a church. He didn't, it's not like I walked into church and then he saved me. He saved me and then I walked into a church. You hear what I'm saying? And, and so, um, what's precious to you? And how do you approach God? You can, you can, do, it, you can do it like the religious people. You go with your list. I'm a Sunday school teacher. I pay my tithes every week. I'm a good person. I love missions. I do. And you can come with a laundry list. Can I just tell you? God's really unimpressed. I'm, I'm not saying it to be mean. You just read it right there. He's like, okay. You know, that's how everybody comes to me. Religious people. Or you can come and go, God, I know. I am not worthy. Except for the blood of Jesus. And when you come with that, and then you mix it together and go, God, you speak a word in my situation, and Lord, Lord, whether I'm healed or not healed, whether the miracle happens or it doesn't, I know that you are enthroned in the situation that I'm walking through, and God, I know that you know how to get me from this side to that side of whatever it is you're facing. There is such a comfort and a power in that. It far exceeds anything that we could imagine or think. God, these are your people. And I thank you, God. I thank you for Pastor Lee. I thank you for New Testament Church. I thank you, Lord, for people that I know. Lord, this is a slice of heaven. There are people that are here that love you. It's so evident, God, to see the the amazing work that you have done in this church family. God, I pray today, God, for a revelation of the glory of Jesus. Lord, help us to catch this, to receive it. Or not to despise it, but to embrace it. He is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above more than you ask or think. And when you come to the God of heaven, with the things that are most precious to you, know that He cares. Know that He is working. Know that He has the power to speak a word over your situation, either to change the circumstances or to change you in the middle of the circumstances. But today we serve a God of power and authority. Hallelujah. Church, can you stand on your feet? If you're here and you would come and gather, there's already some that are coming but if you're here tonight and you would just come and gather around this altar I thank God that this altar has been put in its rightful place at this church not, not a lot of churches have that can I just say this the churches that are we are at our weakest when we are talking about how we sacrifice for God we are at our strongest when we talk about what he has sacrificed for us. When we talk about what we have surrendered to him, we are at our weakest. When we are at our strongest is when we talk about what he has, he has surrendered for us. When you say, I can't, it's unbelief. When you say, I can, it's pride. But when you say, Jesus can, that's faith. And God, I pray, Lord, that faith would rise in this house. God, we don't come to you like religious people. 
we don't come to you, Lord, with our long list of all that we've achieved and done. And we don't come with our spiritual resumes to you so that we can get the things that we need. God, we come to you, Lord, acknowledging that we're unworthy even to stand in your presence. We're unworthy. I was unworthy the day I got saved. And without your grace, I'm unworthy today. By your grace, I'm an overcomer and victorious. In Jesus, we stand today. In all of our brokenness, our emptiness, our failures, our faults. And we believe that you can speak a word. Listen, if you're here, if you're here tonight and things have gotten in the way, sin or other things that have entangled you, that have caused you not to run this race today, will you cast those things aside? And God, give me a fresh vision of Jesus who endured the cross, who despised the shame, who endured uh, the oppression of, of people who, who put him through shame and guilt and torture for the joy that was set before him. Lord, today I pray that we would be reminded and encouraged. Jesus, stand in his presence. Man, when you, can, when you can finally come to the place that you lose everything that you've done for him, and you can start looking at his majesty and his beauty and his wonder, I'm going to tell you tonight, there is so much freedom and power and authority. It's better than anything you can ever experience in this world. Jesus, take every agenda away. God, I pray, Lord, that you would pray, even the pastors that are here that are struggling, some that feel like they may even want to quit or they're tired of the journey. God, I pray, Lord, tonight that they would fix their eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. God, I pray, Lord, that we would lose, Lord, all of that religious garb, Lord, that is meaningless in your sight. And God, come by grace through faith. Hallelujah. Jesus.